Well, you have no rival And you have no equal And forever, God, you reign For yours is the kingdom And yours is the glory And yours is the name song that is sung unto our Lord. All heaven and earth recognizes that name. And to think today that we are identified in that name. And what a privilege it is for us as his children to be standing right here as a living oracle of Jesus Christ. A token, a token to this generation that Jesus is alive. And what a powerful name it truly is. And I heard Brother Branham say before we come to church this evening, I heard Brother Branham say, and the seed is not air with the shuck, he said, Lord, condition my soul and my spirit that I'll feed only on the Word of God. And I, I say, God, condition our hearts tonight, condition our souls that we feed only on the Word of God. And Amen. That's, our, that's why we're here this evening is to feed on the Word of God. And we'd like to thank all of you, your parents and all the little children that came today for the kids' day. And I know that the kids really enjoyed it, and, and uh, some of the parents were asking, <laughs> when can we have our day like that? So uh, <laughs> uh, I'm afraid that some of us would need a prayer line directly after, a, after an event like that. So uh, well, we're, certainly, uh, we're certainly privileged to have the group that we have here, and, uh, and God's, just, God's just blessing us, and uh, we certainly love Him. Amen. Amen. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Isn't he lovely? Hallelujah. Let's just go to him in prayer. Father, what a mighty God that you are. How close you have been to us today, Lord Jesus. Lord, that we have gathered around your word, Lord, one more time, Lord Jesus, and dedicated ourselves unto you, Father. Lord, for your glory and for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. And Lord, we're, we're here, Lord, and Lord, we're not just a people that have just come to a building, but we are a people that are solid in the faith, Lord, knowing that, that you're right here, Father, and though we may not see you, and maybe we don't necessarily feel you, but yet we sense you because your word said that you would be here. Our heart recognizes that you're here, Lord, and Lord, I, I can feel the atmosphere in this place. It's not the atmosphere that you find in a restaurant. It's not the atmosphere that you'll find down at, a, at maybe a pool hall or something like that of that nature or a movie theater. Lord, but this is the atmosphere 
that has been created by a people that have longed to worship the true and living God. And then we feel your presence, Lord, come behind this atmosphere. You've come to vindicate, Lord Jesus, that this is your message. And Lord, we're so thankful that we're standing in this hour, Lord. And what a privileged people that we are. If our prophet would stand and say if he could have chose any day to live in, he would chose this day. Father, I'm so thankful that you chose us and you accounted us worthy that we would stand here, Lord, knowing that we wouldn't falter or fail, but we would stand for you. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would take the pages of the Bible. Lord, I have been so stirred up in my spirit and in my soul, Father, studying out these things this week. Lord, I pray that you would control my emotions, Father, control my spirit, Father, that I would bring out the word in the way that you have brought it unto me, Father. I, I recognize that when you stand before people and that, that the pull of the people will gear it in a different direction, maybe even what we think, Father. But I pray that you would be high and lifted up here, Lord, and that the word would go to its destination tonight, Lord. And Lord, I, I'm just careful to serve you. I know that I've spent the day with you, Father. Father, here we are in the cool of the evening, Lord, and we've just come, Lord, and I believe that you've come to walk with your children tonight. I, I really believe that King Theophany is here and walking in the garden again. Lord, here we are, Father. We just want to take you by the hand and may you lead us down through the, the pages of the Bible. Lord, anoint our faith, Lord, meeting the people's needs tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles this evening, we'd like to look into two portions of Scripture this evening. Over in the book of Luke chapter 4 and verse 17. And then, then back in the Old Testament in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 17. I'd like to speak to you again this, this weekend or carry on a thought from last weekend on, in experiencing the liberty of the message. I trust you all enjoyed the services last weekend. and I know most of you are here, so you're, you'll just jump right in the thought with us this evening and I'll try not to go back through everything that we... We spoke last weekend, but I want to speak to you something that we got involved in last weekend on there and uh, just something that the Lord has stirred up in my heart. Sometimes sometimes as preachers, you don't realize where the Lord has taken you, and then all of a sudden, he opens up a new vein for you. And So we just like to look down through this thought and this evening. Luke chapter 4 and verse 17. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down in the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. 
And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. Don't you just love the reading of the word? Amen. Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the fats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent amongst you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of your Lord, your God, that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord, your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. May God bless his word. He may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As we said, we'd like to continue on that thought on the experience and the liberty of the message. And I certainly thank the Lord for this message. But I know that, I know that for some of us, most of us sitting here this evening, it was it is a pretty easy task for us to be able to come to the house of the Lord. It was something that we longed to do. It's something that we enjoy doing is going to the house of the Lord because that's where we as saints, we get our feeding, we feed on daily. We feed on this message, but to... But to be able to come to the house of worship and the house of prayer and to be able to enter into his courts with thanksgiving in our hearts, it's, it's rather easy for a real son and daughter of God because you've experienced the power of the true message. But we realize that there are those that have to fight to get into the building. They, they have to fight. They're young people. And they're, they, they fight their young people, young people or their children and they're, and they're fighting this way or that way. Maybe, maybe they're just trying to get into the building. Young people fighting because they don't want to don't go again or they or they're just battling because because they're going through the times and the spots of life that that get a little bit sticky and, and but yet there there is something that is on the inside of them that they they still feel a draw to go there and it's an amazing thing when somebody begins to fight to get into the building and just to know that if they can get close to him, that he'll meet their every need. But for us that have experienced the true and living God, we have come unto, we have come unto his camp. We have, we've heard the shout of the king amongst us and, and we recognize that we've come into an experience that this, this message or that the Easter message is not some fairy tale. It's not some Santa Claus story, but this is something that we've personally experienced. And I believe that is something that every single one of us have to have is an experience with Elohim, an experience with Jehovah, and an experience with the one that is the author of the word. And you begin to think about Abraham, that how that he endured seeing him who was invisible because he had had a conference with God and he met him face to face. And he had an experience and he was able to go through the trials of life. And if you 
you're able, if you, you are in a spot that you have met him face to face, that you can go through some things that maybe you didn't think that you were able to go through because you had an experience with him. I, I really can't imagine somebody battling through Laodicea or battling through the, of the chaos of Laodicea without an experience with the true and living God. I, I really can't imagine somebody going through the battle of cancer without knowing God. I can't imagine going through the chaos of life without knowing God. And, and I think about Abraham that, that once he had met him, he, he, he called those things that were not as though they were because he had an experience with him. And you'll see somebody, you'll see somebody as a child of God. You'll watch them as they, as they walk into the promises of God. You'll see them, they call those things as, as the, that were not as though they were. You see they're walking by faith because they're not walking by themselves, but they're walking with the king of kings. And Abraham was, was a patriarch of faith. He was, he was, he was a fore, forerunner and he was a man that we look to, a man of faith, a man that had confidence in God. And he had to walk away and separate himself from everything that he knew. He had to separate from his mother and his father. He had to separate from everything. He had to go down into spots, but God was going to use him to express through him and manifest through him that this was God that was doing these myths. When he walked down there of Lot, it was God with him. When he walked down there into the king of with the king of Gerir and all of those events that took place, it was the event of Melchizedek that showed us that this is the hour that we are to be living in. You think about who is the one that is amongst us. It's none other than this Melchizedek that the same one that Abraham met is the same one that you are meeting right here in this congregation tonight. That same Melchizedek has promised that he would be here. It's none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. And to think that tonight that you have the ability as a preacher of the message of the hour, I think it's such a grand thing to be able to stand here knowing with assuredly that I can preach this message in its fullness, in his sureness, in his purity, and stand here that maybe your young people or maybe somebody sitting here hasn't had an experience with this God. But I can stand here by the word of the Lord and I can preach this message and I know that if I preach this message in its power, that he will come and demonstrate that this is the message of the hour. It's not a message of another day, but this is the message of this day. And I can stand here. I can roll my shoulders back when the enemy wants to shut the service down or the enemy he wants to come in like a flood. I can roll my shoulders back knowing assuredly that God will back up the message because God is here for you to experience him in power and in truth. And I think it's such an amazing thing when all hell is against the church of the living God that we can stand here and preach the most powerful message that's been ever given upon the face of the earth. We can stand here. It's not something that's just in book form, but it's an experience. It's life. It's life, but you remember what, what age that we're living in, that this is the seventh church age. And we realize that it was this age that Christ was standing on the outside and he was knocking, trying to get in. But you remember that famous picture of that man, that, that man that draw Jesus knocking at the door. And it went through the hall of critics and they said, we've only found one spot where we could criticize you upon your artwork. It's that there is no latch upon the door. And the man said, the latch is on the inside. You've 
got to let him in. You see, that's the way it is with the church and with every individual. You've got to be the one to let Christ in. It isn't the pastor's job. It isn't your mama's job. You've got to be the one that will stand there and open the door. And Jesus said, any man that will open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him. You see, what you're feeding on, your soul has been conditioned to feed only upon the word of God. Now, you remember what happened over there with those two disciples when they were walking down the road of Emmaus. They were walking down there and they were talking about the scriptures and they come in acquaintance they come into acquaintance with somebody and they said wait you've not heard these things where have you been at man we, they, they've crucified the one that we thought was the Messiah and he began to take them through the scriptures from Moses all the way to where they were and he preached Christ to them but they never recognized that it was him Brother Brandon would say, he said, in, 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 uh, in their eyes were opened, he said, and the preached word never did it. He preached to them all those seven miles. He preached to them all the way over there, and they never got it. Here was the ones that were standing real close to him. They had experienced what he'd done in his life in his three and a half years. They'd experienced him hand to hand. They watched how he handled the word. They watched how he preached up there in Matthew chapter five. They watched him. But when, when they were walking down the road, the preached word never opened up their eyes. But when he got on the inside, when he got on the inside, it was that something that he had done before. You see, they watched the actions. Hallelujah. They watched the actions of the one that was sitting there. And if it had not been for them constraining him to get on the inside, they would have went, Jesus would have went on, the Bible said. But because somebody had in a pool, had a pool to get him on the inside. I happen to believe that it is this pool that has pulled Elohim right into the tent door with us. It's pulled Elohim on the inside of the tent door. You forgive me just for a minute. But I can imagine as Jesus begins to break the bread and their eyes begin to get opened up to the thought that this is him. Just give me just a little bit of liberty right here. I can imagine as Jesus is standing there and he's, he's doing the same acts that he did with them those three and a half years. And I could see those disciples looking into his eyes. I could see him maybe put their hands, their hands on his face and said, Jesus, is that you? Because of his actions, because of his actions, how he handled himself, how did he broke, how that he broke the bread of life, it showed to them this was him. You see, there are many that have sat under the preaching of the word and they have missed that this is Jesus, but because you stood still long enough, to let the word wash you, to let you stand there and watch his actions, that this is the same one that is amongst us. You can roll your hands over on his eyes. You can roll your hand over on his skin and you can fold back the pages of the Bible and you can look over in Revelations 10. You can look over in Luke 17 and 30. You can look over in Malachi 4 and you can say, Jesus, is that you? You notice it took them all day long to get over there. But when they recognized this was the same one, this was the one that brought the message, this was the one they ran back to their city. It didn't take them but a half an hour to get back there. It's amazing the liberty of the Holy Ghost when the revelation sets in. 
You think, well, oh, I'll never do anything like that. Let me say this. When the anointing of the Lord gets upon you, you'll never know how you act. You will act accordingly how Elohim wants you to act. If, if Ahab, if Ahab took his fastest horses and he was riding back down there to his city and, uh, and Elijah was up there looking... He was looking up there, said, is there any rain yet? Is there any rain? Is there any clouds up there in the sky yet? And he didn't even have enough strength after the Mount Carmel experience. He didn't even have enough strength to climb the mountain up there. But he sent his servant, Gehazi, go up there and look and see if there's any clouds up there. And if you, do you see any signs that there's going to be some rain in this place? Do you see any signs that the message is still true? Do you still see any signs that Jesus is still God? Do you still see any signs that he's here and amongst us? Oh, I ain't seen nothing yet. Go back up there and look again. You say, where are we living at? I'm telling you to climb the hill one more time and look at this Jesus. Elijah, all I see is the cloud of the size of a hand of a man. And Elijah didn't have enough, he didn't have enough energy to climb that mountain. But when the anointing struck his heart, he got some energy on the inside of him. That he ran 17 miles all the way back into the city. He said, Ahab, get your rain barrels ready. There is such power in the anointing when the word begins to get revealed. Brother Branham would preach a very powerful message right out here in Harrisonburg on the door to the heart. He would tell us, you can go out there and you can still find the building where Brother Branham preached at. It's out there on the other side of downtown Harrisonburg in the armory building. Brother Branham preaches power, a very five, five very powerful messages there, but one of them being the door to the heart. And he comes there and he, and he goes through the rooms of the heart that you've got to be the one to let him in. You've got to be the one to open up the door. And he said in there, he said everybody wants to be saved. He said, but they don't want to make him Lord of all. He said, he said they, they've come in there. He said, there's a door on the right-hand side. He said, that's the door of the private life. They said, they want you to be a savior, but they don't want you to be the Lord over their private life. God, don't go down there messing with my private life. God, I don't want you, I don't want you menacing down there. Just, just leave all that alone. You're welcome here. You're welcome here at the door, but don't go into this room. And he said, he said go, you can go over in the next room. And he said, you can find that room. You can find that room of prejudice, that room of prejudice. And he said, you'll find those people people that call themselves Christians. He said they won't speak to this woman because she did something to them years ago. They won't share the gospel. They won't share the gospel or they won't share what God did for them in their life. He said, he said it's that door of prejudice that they won't let Christ be Lord of all. He said, but the problem is, he said in, instead of a holy life, he said it's a perverted life. And he said what the church needs is not a facelift. He said what the church needs is a death and a birth. He said, but you can go on through the rooms of the heart. And he said, you go in there and you can find in the door of selfishness. He said, they want him as a savior because they don't want to go to hell, but they don't want him to be the Lord of their life. He said, but it's at the door of selfishness is that they, they serve in Christ for their own motive. 
They're serving God. If you'll heal me, I'll serve you. If, if you say, if you save Uncle Johnny, if you save him from this battle, if you save him from that battle, I'll serve you because they're serving God out of a very selfish motive. But Brother Branham comes all the way through and he works his way throughout the doors of the heart. He said, but there's one more door that I'd like to deal with. He said, it's the door of your faith. He said, it's the door of faith. He said, but now many times, he said, still people want to keep him on the outside. He said, but they don't want him to be the Lord of their faith. He said, but if Jesus, when Jesus becomes Lord of your faith, then all of his words become real to you. He said, that's the reason people can't believe for divine healing yet. They're members of the Christian church. They got, they got Jesus at the door. But if he could stand in that little door of faith, he said, he would be your faith. He said this right here to you in Harrisonburg. Seeds were being dropped right here. He would be the Lord of your faith. And I could not imagine that the man who wrote the Bible turn around and deny the Bible. Don't you recognize what he's doing? If God will be the Lord of your life, he'll be the Lord of your selfishness. He'll be the Lord of your perverted life. He'll be the Lord. He'll be the Lord of your prejudice. He will be the Lord of your faith. Oh, I, I think that's quite powerful this evening. If you can let Christ be the Lord of your faith, it's not you trying to work up a faith to believe in the promises of God, but God already believes his word to be true. God already knows that there's gonna be a rapture. God already knows there's gonna be a bride that's without spot and without wrinkle. God already knows. I'm gonna have myself just a good old dancing time. I'm hand the microphone over to somebody else and let them preach tonight. I've done spent all day with Elohim. I've done had an experience with him. But when Christ becomes the Lord of your faith, it's no longer doubting at the word. It's no longer believing, well, could he do it here? Or maybe that was the days gone by. But when he's the Lord of your faith, all things are possible to them that believe. Now remember what, what Webster said about liberty, that liberty is the freedom from restraint. It is in a general sense inapplicable to the body. It is a state of exemption from the control of others. So when you let him be the Lord of your faith, you're pulling all of your strings off of it. When you're letting him be Lord, Lord means ownership. That means he owns your faith. That means he owns your life. And when you allow somebody, when you allow somebody liberty to walk into your house, if you really tell, you tell me that I'm welcome when I come into your house, I can run in there. Now, I don't only do this at a few people's house because I really feel welcome. But if you really welcome me in there, I can have every right to go in and jump on the couch the way I want to. Or I can go in there and get in the refrigerator or I'll go in there and get me a cup of coffee because you're really giving me liberty. And when you let Christ be the Lord of your life, you're letting him into every portion of your life. You're giving him full liberty. Oh, I, I pray right now that if anybody has not given him full liberty to their life, that they would bow their heart before the preaching of the word goes forward and say, God, have full liberty right here. Take complete control of my life. Take complete control of my situations. Take complete control of everything. 
Hallelujah. It's the greatest decision anybody would make. But when Brother Branham, I'm going to go forward just now. But Brother Branham, when he's coming down to the, uh, the closing hours of his ministry in 1964, he preaches a very powerful message on the unveiling God, the unveiling of God, the mighty God before us. And Brother Branham comes down to the closing of that message in 1964, and he begins to speak to us about an auction that's taking place, about the man that, that they're auctioning off his violin, that its, that its strings are all loose, and it looks very invaluable to all of, all of the onlookers. But the man, they, they start bidding it off, and he said, who will give 50 cents? Who will give a dollar? And nobody wanted to visit. Nobody wanted to give anything for it. But there was a man that had, that had a knowledge of what that thing was worth. He had a knowledge of how valuable this violin was. And so he stopped the auction and he took that violin and he started tightening up and tuning up that violin. And he started taking the bow and he started ringing out a song across it. And he started breathing out across it. He said when he took that, when he took that bow and he breathed across that violin, everybody saw the value. They saw the value and its true quality of what that violin was really worth. Brother Branham would say, oh, why don't you let him rise him up the bow and let him breathe across your heart. Let him be the master of the word. Let the master of the word come across the word of your heart so that you could see the true value of what this word is. You'll see that it was the same one that was poured out up there on the day of Pentecost when he kenosis himself, when he emptied himself out. When he poured himself out, you'll see it's the same one. Why don't you let the master of the word come? Ring across your heart tonight. So you'll see that this is, this is him that is amongst us. That it won't just be another's experience, but this will be your experience. If you would sit back and you'd watch a man, I ain't got too many empty pages here, but... If you'd take, you'd watch a man come and take an empty sheet of paper and you'd watch him as he starts, he starts working across that paper and he starts making some dots on that paper. Then he starts drawing some lines on that paper. And then he, you're not understanding what he's doing. You're unaware of what's happening. But somebody's at work. Somebody's at work. You see, I can tell you, I could grab this book. Everybody here knows what's on the inside of this book. But if I would take a book from over here or whatnot, I'd grab it and I'd bring it before you wouldn't necessarily know or understand what's on it unless I told you what was on it. But if you're watching this man with this blank piece of paper start making some dots across the lines, across the pages, and he brings down some lines off of those dots, and then there he puts some rest on the inside, on the inside of those dots. And before, before all of those dots, he starts putting a cleft at the beginning of it. What is he doing? He's creating sheet music. And he's creating a music that will ring out a song that the master has designed. 
and he's designing this sheet music in such a way so that it'll ring out exactly what he destined for it to be. Now there's a lot of people that have looked at the sheet music and they can see that it's sheet music but they don't understand the heart of the master. But I happen to believe that ever since the revealing of the seven seals that there is a people on the face of the earth that understand after those seven seals you watch what was happening. It was that uniting time. It was the invisible union with the bride. It was the red lights flashing. It was the token that this message was all capped off in. You see, that is the capping of the message. It's when Christ comes and dwells on the inside of you. You see, you see, each and every one of your lives, you wasn't in a spot that you could ring out the sheet music. But God had to get you to a spot so that you could be in a space, in a space of time, that you could so echo out the sheet music. I'd say we, we can look at Jacob. Jacob, he looked at his life. He was nothing but a shyster. He was nothing but a, he was, he was good for nothing. He'd lie to his dad. He, he did all kinds of wrong deeds. But look at the seed. You always watch the power of the seed. You watch those two twins, how that they were constantly fighting against each other, how that they were constantly battling against each other. But you watch that seed. You watch what that seed did. That one, one sold out, sold out his birthright, but one loved that birthright. You watch that seed. You can watch there's some people that are good church members, but they never go on all the way up on the Pentecost. You watch the power of that seed. And Jacob was known as a shyster. He, he fooled his own father-in-law, and he tricked him into these things, and he left camp early. But on the other side of a river one time, he got into a wrestling match with an angel and it showed what was on the inside of Jacob. Let me preach to you just a moment. It showed what was on the inside of this message, on the inside of a message believing people because they spent time on the other side of a river. There was a lot of people. There was a lot of people, a lot of Esau's that would sell out, sell out their, sell out their birthright for a mess of pottage. But for Jacob, for Jacob, he had to go to a spot where he would wrestle it out with an angel. And that's what this bride has done. William Branham, William Branham left the scene in 1965, but that mighty angel is still right here. I declare he's on this pulpit tonight, and there are people that are wrestling up by the power of the word. There's somebody gonna stay with this angel. There's somebody gonna stay there till they get changed. I ain't just talking about your natural now. I'm talking about your spiritual. Somebody's gonna get a change. Somebody's gonna move up higher. This angel is not gonna leave you, Jacob, in the same spot that you walked in here. You may have walked across this Jordan. You may have walked across this river one way. But you and you walk back, you're going to be walking back as a prince with power. Yeah. On one side of the river, you were known. You were known as a good-for-nothing liar, a cheater. But on the other side, you were known as a limping prince walking with the king of kings. Oh, hallelujah. Watch, watch what Brother Brandon would tell us. He would tell us to watch. He'd tell us to watch the movements. 
Watch the movements of Pentecost. Watch the movements of the church of the day. He said, Pentecost wants more Pentecost. And he said, that's exactly what they're going to get. They're going to get more Pentecostals. He said, but the word of God is going to produce sons and daughters of God. You see, we're not here just trying to build individuals, individuals into a church building, but we're here to build them to be powerhouses. That's what the word will produce. You see, the modern church don't want nothing to do with this message. The modern church don't want to have anything to do with the power and the true experience of Pentecost. But Brother Branham would say over and over again, there has got to come another Pentecost. You see what this age is? It's in Ephesians. It's a coming out of and going into. And there are people that are settled in the word of God. They've got their mind right. They've got their heart right. They've got their soul right. And watch what that word is producing. It's not producing. It's not producing denominational chickens. It's producing sons and daughters of the most high God. Brother Branham would tell us, he said, the kind of crop you'll get is the kind of seed that you put in your field. Is that right? So we recognize that God is going to have a word bride that'll be bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. They will be, they will be connected to the absolute. They will be in the word image. They will be a word power bride. She'll be bone of his bone, life of his life, power of his power. It is the power of God that is raising the bride into a spot that she was destined to be in. He would go on to say in the spoken word is the original seed. He said every seed must come after its kind. He said God made man in his own image after his kind to be his word on earth. He said, but when the word was in Christ, a man, a human man expressing itself through him, that was God, the word in Christ expressing itself, and God in the beginning made man in his own image. And that's the kind of man that God makes today. You go down through the, the spoken word of the original seed, very powerful, very powerful message. Just, you're going to take all day with it. It's going to take you over six and a half hours. You might as well take the day off. You're going to listen to that all the way through. It's in two parts, but a very powerful, very pertinent message to the bride of Jesus Christ. But Brother Branham would say that, that God made man in his own image. He said, after his kind, he said, he asked the question, what is his kind? He said, the word. So if there's going to be a word body, it's going to be a word kind of people. Is that right? So it's the only kind that the word can bring forth. And you watch what happens when the rain begins to fall on the seed that he sowed, it'll produce exactly what was deposited. Is that right? So if it's a word seed, it's got to bring forth the word bride. If it was a word groom, it's got to be a word bride. Come on, somebody. What did this message do? It didn't take us down or it didn't take us further into knowledge or intellects. This message took us to the word. This message didn't create a denomination. This message didn't create another school of thought. I'm trying to drive you to something. We're not building just buildings. We're building powerhouses. We're building young people that can live this message. We're building young people that can truly be what Christ destined them to be. Watch. I'm going, I, I'm going, I'm going some places here. But notice, notice what this messenger is to do in this age. 
He said in the spoken word, he said the Gentile dispensation is to be finished with the church age. When this anointed messenger arrives, of course, he will plant the seed of the entire Bible, plumb from the serpent to the messenger in the former reign. Then he will be rejected by the denominational people as his forefather John and Elijah was spoken by our Lord. So notice what the anointed messenger is to do. He's to preach the message. You notice what William Branham did. He didn't take sides with this one or take sides with that one. He stayed right in the middle of the road. He had critics, he had people that loved him, but he was a man that was true to the word of God. And because he made his decision to stand and preach the message. William Branham could have been a very rich man. Men was offering him millions upon millions of dollars to just come down off of the doctrines. They thought he was another man like any man of the day that would accept money over the word. If you'll just stop preaching on baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. If you'll stop preaching about women preachers. If you'll stop this, that, or the other. But this messenger would not compromise. He preached the message. He gave his life to this message. I say this, if he wouldn't have ran the way he ran, I and you wouldn't be here today. But because there was a prophet messenger that was so determined that he would preach this word, preach this seed, there's a word bride standing in this day. She's not shaking about. She's standing on her feet and the headship of Christ has come down in the body. That's who you're fellowshipping with. It's Elohim. That's the mighty one that's amongst us. Notice, let me read it to you again. When the anointed messenger arrives, of course, he will plant the seed of the entire Bible. And to, uh, of course, he will plant the seed of the entire Bible, plumb from the serpent to the messenger in the former reign. Then he will be rejected. So you watch, this prophet would be rejected. But notice, that prophet's got a job to do. He's to preach the seed. He's to plant the word. And notice what he did. And we're living in an hour when Christ is on the outside. When the church rejected Christ. But I want to let the wicked one know that's going about trying to tow, sow tares in. I want you to know, the wicked one, that the seed has been planted. And you have showed up too late. You showed up too late. We've already received the word bride. We've already received the word seed. You showed up too late. You will not stop this word bride. You will not hinder her. You will not affect her. She's been birthed by the word. Too late. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God sowed the seed and there was a teacher that came and preached the word. Notice the hour that we're living in right now. This is not the hour of the teaching rain, but this is the hour of the harvest rain because the teaching rain is the first rain. It's when you plant the seed and that teaching rain comes at the start of the crop. But the harvest rain comes at the maturing. It comes at the maturing of another crop. And he said in the message, he said it's a harvest rain. He said, or you could say it's a rapturing faith. 
Don't you realize what you have received in this hour? This message is your ticket. You can reject this prophet. You can reject this message. But you cannot stop the plan of God. You can say you don't believe it. You can paint your toenails. You can paint your eyes. You can paint your face. But you won't stop the bride of Jesus Christ. You can say, well, I'm gonna roll my shoulders back and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let it affect me. You can sit there and let the word roll off of you like water on a duck's back. Or you can get in the water where it's at. I'm gonna preach a message. If I'm gonna preach anything, I'm gonna preach a message. I ain't gonna preach some watered down man-made idea. I'm gonna preach the message because it's the only inspiration and it's the only power in the world today. It's the message of the hour. And if you don't like the message, it shows where you are. But I'm gonna preach this message because I'm preaching a message people, message believers, people that are destined to leave here. It is that harvest rain that is making the people ready. The prophet was the teacher of the word. He teached it, he sowed the seed. But this is the harvest rain. Hallelujah. We're not waiting for another day. We're right here. This is the Holy Ghost. This is his doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Let me tell you, church of the living God, you're not in repair, you're in restoration. You're justified as if you've never done it in the first place. I know where I'm standing at, Satan. You showed up too late. Stupid thing. How'd Brother Ron do that? I'm gonna preach the message because it's a message that'll get this bride out of here. It's this harvest rain that will put us in the rapture. If we're gonna stand for something, let's stand for the message. If we're gonna believe something, let's believe the message. Let's not be wishy-washy with it. Let's roll our shoulders back. Roll up our sleeves if we have to. Let's fight for the message. Let's believe the message. He said, Brother Andrew, you showing up and you're, you're trying to tell us something that the people are telling us that the days of miracles are past. You showed up too late for me, Satan. I can tell, still tell you, I've had an experience with Elohim. I've had an experience with this message. He's still a healer. He's still a way maker. He's still giving the Holy Ghost. Well, the man would say in Jehovah Jireh, he said it's the Holy Ghost that comes on that planet seed. It is that latter rain. So if is that, if this is that, that was prophesied by the prophet Joel, Now, I know some of you shook up because I took that tie off. I can put it back on if it make you feel better. That thing was about to kill me. I'd rather strangle a devil with it than it strangle me. They said, well, Brother Andrew, you're supposed to wear, you're supposed to wear a tie in the pulpit. Really? I'll put it right here. That'll make you feel better. But I got to... 
I got a rock back here. I got a rock back here that a brother gave me that came out of that same river that David went down there in that, in that brook. And I got myself a sling right here. I never used to tie to sling a rock before. But it's the first time. It's a good time for first times, right? I'm catching my breath. You keep amen and I'll keep preaching. Like that sign, like that sign on them bumper stickers. You keep honking, I'm reloading. So you keep saying amen, I'm just reloading up here. So if this is that, how many, how many believe this is that? I believe this is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So if this is that, and I happen to believe that this is, so what kind of people should we be if we've been so embodied with the same token life of Jesus Christ, the blood cell that was broken Calvary, if it's that same life that was poured out on the day of Pentecost, if it was that same one, if it was the same one that was poured out, how much more, what kind of people should we be? We wouldn't use our own mind. We wouldn't use our own opinion. We wouldn't use our own thought. We'd use his word. But we know that Christ is the seed. He said, he said, he said if, if I do not the works, if I do his works, he said, if I do not his works, believe me not, but there was the seed. He said, can any of you condemn me of unbelief? There was the seed. He said, it looked close. Mary, Mary looked close when the seed was in the womb. It looked close to being right. He said, but yet it was a shuck. It was carrying that seed. It was carrying that seed. He said, and Methodists looked close. Luther looks close. Wesley looked close. And the Pentecostal age looked close. He said, but here, here at the opening of the seven seals of Revelations 10, the full word is to be born in a manifestation again and vindicated by the Spirit of God in the full strength as it was when he was here on earth. Don't you see where we're at? We're not carrying the message. You are the message. When Brother Adam was standing there, he's out there hunting, and you remember those three, three rainbows that are standing there. And he said, he come down there and he vindicated the message unto me. He said that Jehovah of the Old Testament was Jesus Christ of the New Testament. He said it was vindicating my message of him. Notice what the message was. It wasn't a message of William Branham. It was not a message of schools or thoughts. It was a message of him. And what is this seed in the last day? Notice after the releasing of those seals, the word is in its full strength again. You can go over and read in Revelations 8 and 9 and you can see, you can see what was being poured out there. You can see the enemy that was at work and you can watch through the seals. You can watch as that enemy that's coming up and you'll watch throughout the ages, men thought that that was Christ on that white horse. Is that right? In Revelation 5, they thought, or Revelation 6, they thought that was Christ the mighty conqueror on there. But when William Branham come and preached the message, 
He stood there and said, he said, I've looked at this. I've read all the theologians. I've read everything I can to read. Find all the history on it. He said, but about 12 o'clock in the middle of the day, he said, there came one and straightened me out on it. He said, it's not Christ. It's the Antichrist. But notice what he showed to you. He showed to you an enemy that had a bow in his hand, but he didn't have no arrows. So you are disputing with a defeated enemy. Now I, I'm giving you some real. I'm giving you some real weapons right here, and our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty. Is that right? I'm giving you some real weapons. So anybody that is facing a battle right now, how many? How many's in a real battle? Maybe you're not. Maybe you don't. Maybe maybe you just come out of one and you're getting ready to go into another. But I'm giving you some real weapons right here. You are disputing with a defeated enemy. If you can recognize that the word is in its full strength. Can you recognize that you're a part of that word? That that seed is in its full strength. It isn't half of its power. It isn't just being able, it isn't just being able to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It isn't just being able to stand there and say that I'm justified in his sight. Or you could be able to quote John 3.16, but you're standing there as Christ. Christ was standing there in the very beginning and you are disputing with a defeated enemy and if Christ would stand there and he would defeat Satan time after time after time after time and Satan thought that he'd won up there on Calvary and he thought he finally got him but there came a knock on hell's door one day and he came out. He said, you thought, he said, I thought I had you when I had Job. He said, I thought I had you when I had Abraham. He said, I thought I had you when I had the prophets, but you're finally here. And Jesus kicked him down. I don't know what it looked like. It may have looked like Jackie Chan. It may have looked like, it may have, it may have looked like Bruce Lee kicking him down. But when he reached over there, he chucked those keys off of his side and said, give me those keys and you are disputing with an enemy that don't even have the keys to his own house. But there's a people on the earth today that the word is in its full strength. Boo devil, boo devil, boo devil. Do you know who you're looking at? This is a bride in full strength, ready for the rapture. When that message, when the message came to William Branham, what was it? It was the king's sword. He said, this is the third pole. This is the opening of the word. And you watch what those third, what the three pole, what the third pole does. You watch what it does. What it is and what it does is two different things. But you watch what the opening of the word does. What's it, what it is, it is the opening of the word. It is Christ, but what it does, it makes mountains move. It makes squirrels come into existence. It makes a little girl by the name of Hattie Wright stand there, stand there and pray and sit there and listen about those squirrels being spoken to existence and he's telling everything about it. And there's a little girl, there's a little girl that has, that's only making about $40, $40 a year, but she's sitting there and she asked this question. Yes, she did have a question, but she was not questioning the messenger. She had a question, said, Brother Branham, how can these things be? She was not asking, what in the world, what, what are you telling us? She was asking, how can I do this? 
And she said, William Branham, that's nothing but the truth. And when she did, a portion of heaven was released to Hattie Wright. Said, Hattie Wright, ask anything you want to and it'll be given unto you. Brother Branham said she could have asked for a million dollars and it would have given to her. But the angel knew what she was going to ask. He knows what you're going to ask tonight. You're not asking for fame. You're not asking for riches. You're asking for glory. Hattie, I'll give them to you. Hattie, I'll give them to you. Do you see what this message is? Do you see what you've come in contact with? This ain't some man. This is heaven. This is heaven. And because of a prophet's message and because of his decision, a huge portion awaited him. I happen to believe that because your decision to stay with this message, I'm going to drop something right here that's very, very, very close to my heart. But because, because he knew you wouldn't walk away, he allowed you to get close. Peter, will you as well go? Lord, Lord, where will I go? Look where these are going. Look where they're going. Lord, I'm gonna follow you. It may cost me some stuff in life, but I'm gonna follow you. I might have to go through some trials and it might look like I'm gonna deny you one time, but God just give me another chance up there in Pentecost. I'll find you again. Lord, I'm not gonna turn my back on you. I heard Brother Barham say today, on this day, this scripture is fulfilled. He said, if you turn your back on this message and walk away from it, you've rejected the king of life. Don't you see who you're turning down? And what is the acceptable year of the Lord? It is the jubilee. If there ever was a time that the message could be preached in its liberty, it's this age. It's this hour. It's this moment. And there are those that have turned their back on it. But because you wouldn't turn away. Because you wouldn't turn away, he allowed you. Elohim allowed you, Abraham, to get close. Lot didn't choose this way. Lot didn't choose to walk this way. But because you chose, I've allowed you to stick close. Abraham, you're going to bring forth a son. You forgive me, I'm just... Abraham, you're going to bring forth a son. You're going to bring forth a son. I promise you, you're going to bring forth a son. You're going to bring forth a son. Notice what he would say in Galatians. Paul would say in Galatians 4, you could go through in 4, 22, all the way through 30, and you could find where Abraham was promised a seed. He said, but cast out the seed, the heir of the bondswoman. She is not a part of the free woman. Notice the part of Ishmael has nothing to do with Christ. You see, the Jews thought, the Jews thought that they were talking about Isaac, that the promised one was talking about Isaac, but here, here they Christ was talking about himself. 
You're going to bring forth a son. You will be a father of nations. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. But Abraham thought it was his own. It was his own ability. And he took it upon himself. And him and Sarah brought about in their own human ingenuity. They brought forth a son by Ishmael through, through the bondswoman Hagar. Notice what this was. It was not that of the free. It was that of the bonds. So you see, it was a type of two covenants of one of Mount Sinai and one of Christ. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna preach to you right here just for a few more moments. Ishmael cast, cast out the bond woman in her hair, in her air, but the free woman, but we are not a part of the bonds woman, but we are of the free. And you watch what Paul goes down in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. And he said, stand there fast, there fast in the liberty where Christ has made you free. I allowed you to get close, Abraham, because I knew you wouldn't walk away. Abraham, there's something in you that I got to bring out. Abraham, there's something about you. I've got to express myself through you. Abraham, I'm going to point you out to every generation. I'm going to point you out, and you notice that Melchizedek comes to Abraham's seed. Notice where he comes. Elohim comes to the elected seed. The church turned him down. Judas turned him down. But you decided to stay close because you love him. You love him. And you notice what Paul would stand there in Galatians chapter 4. And he would preach to you the adoption. You go back in the early series of Galatians chapter 4 and you see that the heir, as long as he is a child, he differeth nothing from the servant. But Christ came in the fullness of time and he poured out his spirit upon us whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Will you recognize what that son would do? You see, as long as he was a servant, as long as he, as long as he was a child, he differed nothing from a servant. But when he became a man, he started talking like a man. But you see, he was under tutors and governors. That son was under there. And the tutor would watch that son as he would grow and as, as he would go. And the tutor would come to the father and he would tell him, son, your son, your son is a chip off the old block. He's exactly like you. I've watched him in business. I've watched how he handles himself. I've watched how he, how he does things. He's got a heart like the father. And here... The father makes a public testimony. He goes out before the entire community and he places his robe upon him. He places his robe upon him and said, this is my son. He's heir to the kingdom. He's heir to the kingdom. And that son could go out and he could go out into a field and he could work. He could say, a father could send him out and say, I'm setting you over, Lord, over this field. You've got full authority over this field. I want you to notice the field that you're in. It's the field of the message. You've not been planted in some denominational field. You've been planted in this field. And this message has given you full authority 
to walk in the liberty as sons of God. And he can walk out there in the full authority of the Father. And he can walk out there and he could do everything exactly like the Father would because he had the authority as a fully adopted son. Let me tell you, when you have the spirit of the living God, you are fully adopted as a son and daughter of God. It's not someday coming in the future. You are right now sons and daughters of the most high God. What I want you to recognize is that this is the age of full liberty. This is the hour when all creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of man. That this is the age of the liberty of the saints of God. You realize that all of your world is waiting on your manifestation, waiting on your power to be released out of you? You see what this rain has done for you? It's brought you to maturity as a bride of Jesus Christ that you can experience this is him. This is him. The word is in full, full strength. This ain't Satan's time. This ain't Pelosi's time. This ain't Biden's time. This ain't Putin's time. This is bride time. This is eagle time. This is rapture time. Would you stand with us this evening? Oh, hallelujah. 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 There's just nothing like his presence. can't imagine I can't imagine waiting 38 years at a pool dealing with an infirmity the prophet would say that he, he wouldn't have died of it but he was dealing with this infirmity I can't imagine dealing with an infirmity for 38 years waiting for a season waiting for a season when the angel would come and trouble the waters. There'd be others that would get in the water and they'd come out completely whole. But when the one come walking by your way, so why are you sitting here? What are you still doing here at this spot? It says, take up your bed and walk. What did he tell him to take up his bed for? He wasn't going back there no more. I choose to lay my head down at the feet of my Boaz. I've had an experience. I've had an experience with him, the God of this message. And he's come to talk to you. He's come to talk to you. So why are you still laying here? I'm everything that you need. 
what I've poured out in this day, what I've poured out in this hour, this is for you. I say God knew exactly where you'd be sitting at, Sister Linda. I'd say God knew exactly where you'd be sitting at, Sister Mary. I'd, I'd say God knew exactly what pool you was laying at. And to think that he would come by your denominational well. And you've had all these questions. You've had all these questions. Is this message really true? Is this message, does it still contain the capacity to heal? Does it still, is it, is it, are we serving a, of God of idols? Are we serving a God of images? Is the God that I've longed for, is he, is he in our midst? Is he, is he, is he still have the ability to save? Does he still have the ability to, to go to prison doors? Does he still have the capacity to do it? And he comes by where you're laying at, at your denominational bed. So what are you laying here for? Take up your bed and walk. Everything that you've been waiting on is right here. I'm everything that you're looking for. You've laid here all of these days in your infirmity. You've laid here waiting time after time after time. But I am your season. I am your portion. I am your healing. Go and show yourself. I am your healing. Who is this? What am I trying to give to you? An experience with the God of this message. Why don't you lift your hands right there and say, God, I want to experience you like never before. I don't want to be manhandled. I want to be God handled. I want to be handled by the word of truth. Let the rain of the Holy Ghost come. Fall upon us. This is the final quickening under the rapture because this is his reign. This is restoration, saints. This is the Holy Ghost. The presence of the Lord. Oh, there's nothing like the presence. Oh, there's nothing like the presence. There's nothing like the presence of the
about your name.